We have four readings today. The first comes from um, Zephaniah, chapter 3, commencing at verse 13. I think I'm 14. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. A warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. As on a day of festival, I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time. I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home. At that time, when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. The second reading comes from Isaiah chapter 12, commencing at verse 2. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his, his deeds among the nations. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The next reading is from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Next reading is from Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through to 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptised by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, 
We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, that what then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptised, and they asked him, Teacher, what shall, should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. Here in Sereni. Thanks be to God. Uh, so, this morning we're continuing our Advent series on hope. Uh, and we're, we're looking at restoring hope through Advent and what does it mean for God to restore hope. And so as we're, we're talking about hope, I want you to think on this question. Uh, what hopes have you seen fulfilled in your life? What hopes have you seen fulfilled in your life? Uh, I'm sure if, if we took a moment to sort of think back, we could probably think of lots of things. Uh, when I was... Uh, probably my early 20s. Uh, I grew up in a family where my mum liked lists and uh, as a result I liked lists and she liked planning and I liked planning. I, I was similar to her in those ways and so I've got this spreadsheet somewhere in my files somewhere. It's there, it exists, so I could show it. I'm not really that embarrassed. I'm happy to laugh at myself but it had mapped out in it all these goals and hopes that I had uh, at what point in life, how old I was when these hopes were achieved and what it looked like, you, you know, uh, getting married, having kids, having a house, uh, investments, finances, went right through to retirement. So, you know, every hope on there is not fulfilled. And let me just say that most of those things have not happened in the way that I maybe imagined that they might have happened. As, you know, I, I dated a girl and that failed. Well, there's only one year left to reach that target. Let's see how we go. And... Things maybe didn't turn out the, the way that I had hoped. But what I, as I look back at that list, I see the faithfulness of God in his timing to honour the desires of my heart. See, what I put into that spreadsheet were things that I hoped for and desired. And in his goodness, he looks at our hopes and desires and he honours them. We may not necessarily see them filled in the way that we had hoped or the timing we may have hoped. But he, he is a God that is a fulfiller of hopes. Uh, I've shared with you some of my journey into ministry and 
Uh, I'm sure that's in a sermon a little while back. I'll share it in another year because you may have forgotten it by then. I can use it fresh. But let me share with you about uh, marrying uh, Katie. So 2006, I I thought, uh, as I started studying theology, uh, that I needed to have some time. A, A significant relationship had just broken up. I needed some time just to really focus on where God was leading me. And so I said, God, first 12 months of studying theology... I'm not going to date anyone. And it was like, for 12 months, my mind completely switched off from thinking about that. And exactly 12 months later, I was catching up with someone to talk about ministry, and suddenly 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 10.30 arrived, and we hadn't talked about what we were meant to talk about, but there was actually something uh, happening there. You see, this person was Katie, and we're like, ooh, there's, there's something here. And so I call that our first date, our accidental date. <laughs> and God really set me up 12 months after I said, look, I'm setting aside this time for you. Now, I, growing up, have wanted to be an architect. I married an architect. I'd planned to buy a house, and I've been asking God, what do I do with this money that I've been saving? I spent it on uh, being able to really focus on studying theology. But I married an architect, and <laughs> uh, married an architect who'd, uh, instead of spending her money, put it into a house. And, and so hope fulfilled in ways that I didn't expect. Where, what hopes have you seen fulfilled in your life? Hope fulfilled breathes life into hope in the future. As we see hope fulfilled in life, it gives us confidence that hopes in the future will be fulfilled. Uh, as we look back and we, we treasure what has already happened, We can have more confidence that maybe what we hope for in the future, maybe what we hope for now, may be fulfilled. You see, the God that we worship is the God of fulfilling hope. We often steer away from talking about how the God we worship is the God that desires to bring blessing to his people. But that is his nature. That's what we've heard about in in these readings. And so we're where we look at our life and say, this is hopeless, this is needing something, this is needing restoration, this isn't working, where we see things that are not working, we can know that God has a hope for it that is beyond what is existing at the moment. And so the next question I want us to think about is, where do you need salvation? Salvation happens as a point in time thing. You come to faith, you're saved by Jesus, through faith. But salvation is also something that happens over the course of a life. We heard in that reading about the ministry of John and he came to people and he was uh, telling them to, to repent of their sins, to turn, to produce works in keeping with repentance. And we're called to live lives that are uh, like Jesus. And so wherever we see we're living life in a way that's needing uh, transformation, that we would live more like Jesus in this world, that's a place where salvation needs to come. That we're saved from our former way of life and that we live a new way of life. That's repentance, but that's also that work of salvation. Salvation happens when you come to faith, but it's also something that's worked out. Work out your faith with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation as you walk 
with God. And so we should all be able to look at our lives now and say, well, God, I need you to work here. I need you to work there. This person needs you to work here. We should all be able to see places in life that are needing the saving work of God to bring about restoration, redemption, all of the things that he's able to do. And sometimes we can find ourselves in the midst of life asking the question, well, God, I prayed this prayer and I haven't seen this answer. I have this hope, but I haven't seen this answer. And we can wonder, we can question whether God is the God that really answers prayer, whether that really is his hope or desire for life, whether he's read my spreadsheet (laughs) and actually going to do what I hope he might do. The truth is he's read the spreadsheet on, on your heart and in your mind, and he's in the midst of the circumstance where you're at, uh, where you're praying, inviting him to bring salvation. In Zephaniah 3.17, it says uh, these words, The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. The Lord is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. So even as we are fighting our enemies, it's not that God just intervenes in the future and he brings hope then. It's that in the midst of the area needing salvation, he is there, he is ready. He is already singing over us the songs of victory that he has bought and paid for through the cross. That is, as much as we strive to see change in our own life, He is already with you, warring and celebrating, because he's the one that brings and gives victory. It's not us. He will rejoice over you with gladness. What does uh, rejoice mean? Uh, To re, to look back with joy. To rejoice. Uh, He knows what is already going to happen. He knows the outcome. We're We're in the midst of struggle and suffering and needing hope and needing salvation, when someone else is in the midst of that, he's the one that wants them to turn to him that they will see the salvation that he has already bought for them. Uh, I I wonder when you you think of your need for help of life, uh, how do you go at sharing that with other people? When I need help, I'm reasonably self-sufficient and don't like to expose weakness to others. Maybe you're a little bit like me, that you don't like to expose your weakness to others. I maybe wonder whether that is because when you look at others and the mistakes they make, you find a little bit of judgment that might creep up. You know, people that are suffering in life, there's often choices that have been made. The the drug addict, they've chosen to take drugs. Uh, the, the alcoholic, that they, they've chosen to drink another drink. The, the person that finds themselves in, in jail, they've, they've chosen that path. The person that finds themselves alone are usually not particularly good at interacting with other people and have pushed a lot of people a- away. Sometimes circumstances are different. Often we don't see the whole picture. But we can find when we look at other people's problems we find ourselves in this place of judgment. So when others are in trouble, what do you give to them? Help or judgment? Hopefully most of you would say help. 
in order to be able to rejoice in seeing the salvation that God brings, we need to partner with each other and actually invite other people into the areas of our life where we need to see he's saving, he's redeeming. Maybe it's someone that you know that's needing healing. Maybe it's someone else that you know that's needing help. Maybe it's you that needs help. As we invite others in, uh, they're generally going to bring help. And if they bring judgment, well, you've invited the wrong person in, you push them away and find another person. A Christian person should generally bring uh, help and not shame. Uh, Zephaniah speaks uh, in this passage of, On that day you shall not be put to shame because of all the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst uh, your profoundly exalted ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. For I will leave... In the midst of you are people humble and lowly. Uh, they shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. And so in this kind of whittling away of God's people, he's saying humility is the natural path of coming to me. Re realizing that you need help, that's the natural path of coming to me. But in that place where I am in your midst, there shall no longer be shame. So, so when we think of our need for help, uh, we need to... Uh, open our lives to others? What, what, what about when others share their testimony of, of how God has helped in life? Uh, do we give judgment and say, oh, I can't believe you did that? Uh, I think sometimes we do. Uh, or do we give rejoicing? Do we celebrate with them? See, as the people of God, we're called to be a people that rejoice. Uh, that rejoice at the, the victory and the salvation that God brings to others. Uh, when we had that sharing time at the start, I would love us to get to the point of sharing as a church where we don't just talk about stuff that God does out there, but we talk about stuff that God's done with us, how he's brought us hope, how he's brought us restoration, how he's brought us healing, because the testimony that we give enables others to rejoice. The testimony that I give you about how God worked in my life enables you to have hope that maybe the same God that we both worship will work in your life in a similar way. And, and so we can have hope uh, that the, as we look at the lives of others. You, you see, salvation, as Isaiah says, is called to be a well. Uh, it's, it's not just a point-in-time event. It's a well. It's something that you are able to drink from, draw water from. We're called to draw water from the well of our salvation. That is, as we look back, and we see the work of God in, in our life, uh, as we see the saving work of Jesus, as we look at the Old Testament and see the character and nature of God, we recognize there is a God who, uh, despite people's faithlessness, is always faithful. And as we look at the faithfulness of God through Scripture, we can trust that uh, our circumstances now are not too much for him. And so salvation is a well to draw from, and what we draw from that well of salvation is, uh, is joy. Uh, we draw from it that reminder that hope is fulfilled. The God who has worked is the same God who works today. That the God who healed in the New Testament is the same God that is able to heal today. That the God who restored um, so-and-so's life is the same God that's able to restore this person's life. Sometimes we can, we can take uh, the moments of life as discouragements that maybe God doesn't want to do that. Maybe God's not going to fulfill hope. Uh, 
Uh, well, if our hopes are good and godly, uh, then we can trust that over life, God is going to meet us in that place of needing hope fulfilled. It may not look like what we imagined it might look like, uh, but as you meet him in the midst of your place of needing hope, you'll find that what he gives you is far more satisfying. As we think of the people that in, in life that are needing restoration, we can tell them stories of how God has worked restoration in us. As we think of the, the people uh, who are, are alone, maybe God's calling us to reach out and bring encouragement to them. Uh, what, the, one of my friends uh, told uh, me the story of this neighbour that they've got that none of the other neighbours like because she's reasonably abrasive. And so when I was talking about the people that are alone for a reason because they've been abrasive, she was the one that was at the forefront of my mind. But when she was abrasive to them, they chose a different path rather than pushing her away and being abrasive back. They've chosen a path of building relationship. And now she's a person of encouragement that they're able to encourage and she's on a long journey. But but when we don't push people away, uh, when we're people that represent God, we can bring hope to people. All of us have opportunities to bring hope, to tell testimonies of how God is, our God is the God who saves. So, and the way that we do that is we re- rejoice, remember uh, moments of joy, and we share them. But rejoicing is called to not just be something that happens once, it's a, it's a lifestyle. And so some of the testimonies of how I see God work, I continually remember them and tell other people about them because I want to remember that the God who worked then is the God who I worship now. And so where I see the spaces where he's not, as I rejoice, I can be confident that he is able. And so rejoicing as a lifestyle starts uh, with being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 3, uh, John talked about his baptism and he contrasted it with the the baptism that will come with Jesus. So in Luke uh, chapter 3, we see that John says, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more uh, powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. We understand the Holy Spirit at one level. There's a baptism that uh, comes upon us as the Holy Spirit uh, comes to live in us, Uh, dwells with us, energizes us for the Christian life. It starts with the Holy Spirit, but he also says a a baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire. What's what's that about? Is it that God's setting you on fire to fire you up? No, fire is something that's about purification. That as the Holy Spirit comes to you, lives inside of you, there's this purifying work that happens, and that's refined by fire, like silver or gold. That's what happens to us. Uh, So as all of us going in life, there should be the Holy Spirit working in us to bring these fire-refining moments where we see ourselves as we are, where where it's like the Holy Spirit holds up a mirror and we recognize uh, our sin or our selfishness or our anger, whatever it is that, that might be 
you're, that you're struggling with. As the Holy Spirit holds up a mirror, we see the need for salvation. And as we see the need for salvation and turn from a different way of living to the way of living that God calls us to live, we can be confident that the Lord is already in our midst going, ha ha, finally, she's seen it, he's seen it. This is the place in where I'm wanting to build testimony of salvation now, today. And then as we move through that and we really invite the Holy Spirit to work, we can be confident that uh, the anxiety that we struggled with will lessen over time as he refines us and renews us in our mind and our thinking and our living. That the uh, anger that used to burst and well and explode uh, will come under the control of the Holy Spirit. That we'd be people that are less anxious, more peaceful, less fearful, more loving. That as God works in us, we can be confident that he's going to work this salvation and it's by his spirit that this happens. So what are some disciplines in a life of rejoicing? Uh, well, I've talked about looking back. Look at back and take joy of what God has already done. The, the first thing I want to say now is speak to your spirit. There's the old person. You hear that voice often. That old voice is very critical. <laughs> so the, the voice that we often speak over ourselves is, you're not good enough. Uh, you don't measure up. Uh, Randall, I can't believe you did that again. You're such a... I wonder if you ever find yourself speaking negatively to yourself. <laughs> Do you find yourself speaking negatively? Well, we're actually called to speak to our self-truth and life, uh, to celebrate who we are. Randall, you're a new creation in Christ. We're, so speak words out loud. Your tongue is like a rudder. Speak words to your spirit. Uh, Randall, you are called to live in a way that honors and loves all people. Speak those words out aloud. Remind yourself of who you are called to be. Uh, another discipline is singing from your heart. On Sundays, uh, we like to celebrate and join in worship together. There's sometimes songs that you love, uh, songs that you love less. That's okay. Sing from your heart with all of them. Learn in all worship to sing to God because that's what it's about. But don't just sing on Sundays. See, I find it, the soundtrack of my life is, isn't always amazing. Do you know what I mean? Like, as you're thinking and you're, you're listening to your own thoughts, it's, it's not always an amazing place to be. Uh, you, you, you find thoughts of insecurity pop up, uh, thoughts of self-criticism pop up, thoughts of judgment pop up, and... All these things can pop up, but one of the things that I do is I'll regularly have music playing on in the background. As I'm here at church getting things ready on a Sunday morning, I'll often have my earbuds in as I'm walking around because I'm aware that if I'm walking around, I'll find myself, I'll notice something, and I'll go, oh, I can't believe that person didn't put it away. Because that's a natural thought that we have. Like when I see the kids' toys all over the ground, I can't believe they haven't packed up after themselves. Don't judge me. <laughs> we all have this soundtrack going in our life, but these days we have so much access to be able to change the soundtrack. If you need a Spotify or a YouTube playlist that will help you worship God better, 
I'm happy to provide or resource you with that or CDs, but play music through the week. Play worship music through the week. We put on the radio with the latest top 20 pop songs or whatever, the great golden oldies, whatever's your poison or the latest talk show host. That becomes some of the soundtrack of your life. Let me encourage you, find times of your day where you put on worship music so that can redefine the, the song of your heart and sing along with it. Uh, sing in the car when no one's listening. <laughs> Declare uh, with your lips, uh, rejoice and speak truth. Uh, read and speak truth. Uh, we're like sieves when it comes to truth. That's why we need to actually read, read the Bible regularly, remember truth, gather and remind each other of truth. So read the truth, read uh, the Bible and rejoice, speak out loud what you celebrate about what you're reading. Do it in prayer. As I, as I read something from here and I see what John has done, I can speak immediately to, to God these words. I thank you, God, for the ministry of John. And I thank you so much that you have sent your spirit uh, to live in me and that your spirit is refining me. And I can, I've got words right in front of me and people often find trouble in finding words in prayer but as you read and you speak or pray truth uh, you have words and, and rejoicing is powerful to redirect your heart and life and the, then the final thing being aware of his presence even in the midst of your trouble he's there with you fighting for you even when you feel alone and no one else is there he's in your midst fighting for you. When you're suffering or struggling or feeling hopeless, he's there in your midst. Know his presence. What does that mean? It means sometimes in life we need to just turn the music off, to stop, to pause, and to just sit and say, thank you, God, that you're here with me. Please strengthen me. Please remind me of your presence. Grow to know his presence with you. Because as you grow in knowing his presence, he will lead you by his presence in the same way that he led the, the Israelites out of the desert uh, by his presence with them. He wants to lead us. So Philippians says, uh, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. I say again, rejoice. And when it says this, it's not, oh, this is a general encouragement. If you feel really good, you should rejoice always. It's actually a command. It's a command of Scripture that you should find in all moments of life opportunity to rejoice. As Christians, uh, at some level, we should be the, the, the people in every circumstance that seem far happier than everyone else. The, that's the, often the complaint you, you'll hear of someone. Uh, they'll go, you're one of those Christians, aren't you? You're always so happy. That should be something that others say of us, that we are continually rejoicing. And if it's not something that others are saying of you, maybe this discipline of rejoicing is something that you need to build in life. And the easiest way to do it is read truth and sing truth and pray truth. So let me pray for us as we seek to be a people that rejoice. Uh, thank you, Lord, that as we look back uh, with joy... You bring joy to us now as your people. 
Our Lord, thank you that as we look back and see your faithfulness, we can confidently uh, look forward knowing as you have been faithful, so you will. Lord, as we've been thinking of the, the people who are alone, who are needing healing, who are needing hope, we're confident that you are the one that is able to bring it to them. And so you might just like to remind the Lord of some of those people that you mentioned earlier again. And so, Lord, as we remember these people, we ask, Lord, that you would renew our confidence. That you're the God who is at work today. As we see uh, situations uh, in our life and around our life that are needing hope restored, uh, we ask, Lord, for your, your, your wisdom. We ask, Lord, for your help. And Lord, we ask with confidence, knowing that you hear our prayer, that you delight in answering our prayer, that even as we see the need for salvation and are unable to bring it out to ourselves, uh, you're the one that is uh, fighting with us and fighting for us. Help us, uh, Lord, to ask help of others, to ask prayer from others. Help us to be a people that regularly turn to you. Lord, where we, we've got prayer or hopes that are unanswered, our dreams unfulfilled, thank you that you see uh, those desires and those hopes. Thank you that, Lord, you want to speak encouragement into that place. Help us, Lord, to, to see what you're up to, to partner with what you're up to, and to bring your joy uh, to this world. In the name of Jesus, amen.